This week on Table Talk Radio, we're going to play some Name That Church Body, and it just could be that I get my tail whooped, although we forgot to give out points. How do I know what's going to happen in the future? Stay tuned. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to... Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said, to me, he said you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. So, uh, if you guys put mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Busting the myth that practice makes perfect. This is Table Talk Radio. Great show. Did you, know, did you see that email I sent you about the um, mediocre and hilarious T-shirt design? I love it. Love it. And also, there was, uh, you know, these guys, uh, Zach Lesher, Pastor Hoffman, started a, have you seen this? They started a new podcast called the, um, what is that called? The No Drama Podcast. So that makes us the all-drama podcast, and they were talking about how mediocre they are, so we're going to sick the lawyers on them for claiming our adjectives. <laughs> <Are> we... <laughs> did, we, did we trademark mediocrity? I didn't realize mediocrity. We, we had reached that level of trademarking mediocrity. <laughs> Basically. Okay. The middle ground, it all belongs to us. Any middle part of the bell curve, that's us. That's our... <laughs> that's right. Uh, you know, other other people claim it, but only... Uh, people believe it we when they hear it. it. <laughs> Someone asked on the Facebook page, how did that whole mediocrity thing start? When we and I, I was trying to, do you remember how we started calling ourselves mediocre? I think it was one day we realized, you know, this show is not as horrible as it used to be. It's solidly in the mediocre camp. And I think we've just owned it since then. We mm -hmm. thought, you know, we don't want, we always, I mean, we want to leave some room for improvement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so so there. It was the point where there was just room to get worse. I mean, it it was the worst, and then it was just up a notch, and that's when we started using the mediocre uh, slogan. So, yes. Anyway, that's right. Well, okay. So here's the lineup for table talk after buzzwords. We're gonna get to your email. I think we've found an. I email. have a buzzword. Don't worry. Don't. It's not like you got to trick me and remind me to do a buzzword. I got it written down here. <laughs> That's awesome. I was trying to remind myself. I still don't have a buzzword, but don't worry. I'll get one. Uh, so we're going to get to your emails. We found an email from the last three years, so we'll, re we'll read that one. And then we're going to do uh, Name That Church Body. Pastor Wolfmiller has books, like those things where you actually have to turn pages and yeah, I do. It's this old archaic thing. Most of you don't know what I'm talking about. And then I have websites, this new thing called the Internet. <laughs> uh, and so we're, I'm going to be reading some uh, some statements of faith, some statements of belief of uh, well-known church bodies, and you have to try and guess what church body it is. So that's the lineup of Table Talk Radio. But first, buzzwords. Let's hear it. My buzzword for you is atonement. You remember the, uh, our, the, our Calvinist friends who have that echo chamber uh, that I'm their token Lutheran? 
Remember how I'm that guy, Chris Lawson's favorite Lutheran, because he doesn't know any others? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he said, I go. apparently he wants me to come on there once a month now and to t- talk about different theological things. And this month their topic is the atonement, and they have people on from different theologies to talk about what the atonement is. And I was, I mean, l- legitimately baffled by the fact that other people have different ideas of the atonement. So he would tell me, would you believe this? And I said, no, that sounds horrible. That's terrible. And he says, oh, that's what this idea is. And so he's telling me all these terrible, oh, all these bad oh. ideas of the atonement. And I said, my goodness, people have. Anyway. All right. my So the atonement is that the death of Jesus for us on the cross, the vicarious satisfaction that Jesus is bearing the wrath of God in our place to win for us the forgiveness of sins. That's what the atonement is, and everybody should believe that if you're if you're a Christian. I mean, that's just kind of, that's really the basics. My theological buzzword for you, which I just invented on the spot, not that I invented the word, but I just came up with the word on the spot, is limited. And the word limited means that only certain people get this thing, uh, that it is not for everyone. Now, I want to I want to go ahead and say that we should never be mixing buzzwords. <laughs> two these two buzzwords should never go together. We never That's right. Okay. So no commingling <laughs> of right. the buzzwords. Like an historian sort of thing. If you want to talk about, you know, limited table talk radio consumption, that would be a good thing. But uh to yeah, talk that about is good, actually. limited tome, that is not a good thing to talk about. Okay. That's okay. that's uh get buzzwords out of the way. All right. Now, uh do you have an email for us to read, Pastor Wolfman? No, I thought you did. Are you sure there's not one under episode planning on Trello? Okay, let me see here. I got the Trello. I'm busy trying to edit a YouTube (laughs) video. I'm I'm trying to deliver show prep to you, and still you just miss out on the... Nope, I sure don't. Condolence on the survival of the show. This email writes. I haven't read this email yet. Is it? It's pretty good. Maybe next year. He's hoping it will die, you know. I mean, euthanasia is now legal in Colorado. Maybe we (laughs) euthanize the show. Yeah, and Oregon. My wife and I... So there's not a chance. (laughs) My wife and I were once reformed and now mercifully are confessional Lutherans. We have a question about prayer and the will of God. Before becoming Lutherans, we just prayed and waited to see if our request would be granted. Among Lutherans, we find what seems like an attitude of whatever will be, will be. Is that a song? Uh, I think it's a song. We pray in the liturgy together on Sundays, but there seems to be little talk about asking for something, uh, some specific need to be provided among us. Having, we believe, had specific requests to very real needs provided, we wonder about the silence. Is it just humility on the part of other Lutherans or fear of seeming to affirm the, existent, uh, the excesses of other groups? Sincerely, your listener, Vervum Domini Manat in Aeternum. I don't know, Pig Latin. How am I supposed to determine what... <laughs> I don't know, Syriac. Please write in English, verbum domain. I don't think that's pig Latin. I think it's just regular Latin. Well, regular Latin, I know. Let's see. I can do that then. The word of the Lord endures forever. Uh, we, can you believe that we have a listener named Verba Domini Monat in Iternum? That's probably one of the coolest no, names I've no, ever no, heard no, of. No, 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 that, no. That's some region in Australia that you're not familiar with. <laughs> I turn them in. I turn. That's what. It, yeah. So that. Oh, I see. The name is Verm, Verbum Domini Manat in Iternum. That's where they live. Yeah. Iternum. So this is from Verbum. <laughs> this is from the name. This is from our, our listener Verbum. Verbum think, de Manat. Do you think this is funny for the Iternum. listener? I mean, because they don't even get to see the email. They just have to hear you. 
ramble on about. <laughs> I know. Who knew? I didn't know that Iternum was just in Australia, or else be I would, careful, this would have been better. Be careful how you sign your emails. I'm just going to say that. I, it, it's interesting that the emails that we get now, people are sure to say that they're not from Australia. Like that. That's like one of the required things. You know, hi, I'm Bob, and I'm not from Australia. <laughs> we can sniff them out, though. <laughs> okay, so a here's... lot of people don't want to admit to being Australian. Yeah, <laughs> here's a question like of, here. of of prayer. Now, can you can you lay out the two uh, perspectives on prayer from this listener from being Reformed to Lutheran? Um, so that she said that, uh, or he or she, I don't know. Um, is Verbum, Verbum a, a like masculine the, or feminine? I think it's a masculine name. Okay. Right. And plus he talks about his wife, so... Oh, that would be a good, pretty, good, pretty good indicator. Hear it. Uh, okay, both so... Indica- both solid clues. Before becoming Lutheran... Uh, to the self-identity. Prayed of, and to the waited to see if our request would be granted. And he says, among Lutherans, we find out the, uh, the attitude of whatever will be, will be. Uh, is there anything behind this theologically, do you think? I hope not. Uh, so Lutherans are lazy about reading the Bible and praying. <laughs> that's the problem. I mean, that's really, I mean, the evangelicals, the problem with the evangelicals is that they're trying to find comfort in their own obedience. And so they're motivated. Oh. They've, the Lutherans should pray more. Although I've found that the more you get to know the Lutherans, especially the old ones, and you visit them, they pray, they just don't wear it on their sleeve. They, they'll pray for things very specifically. If they're not, they ought to. And we ought to probably pray more, although whenever I, you know, hear confession and, and give the absolution, and I should speak for myself, every time I go to confession, well, this is one of the first things I'm confessing is my lack of diligence in prayer. It's always, mm-hmm. I, C.S. Lewis says this, that prayer is always a burdensome thing. And I was reading this this line from Kleinig. He was talking about one of the Desert Fathers, and he says, prayer is battle to the last breath. And uh, and so it's it's hard to pray. We, I mean, because oftentimes we don't see we, the Lord is telling us to wait, or He answers it in a different way, or because we think that we make uh, ha- can have a more direct impact if we just get after it ourselves, and and so we don't pray like we should for the things that we should, and that uh, we should repent of that, and we should pray more often. We should pray in the morning. We should pray at night. We should pray without ceasing. We should pray for ourselves. We should pray according to our vocation, which means we pray for our family, both above us and below us and beside us, our parents, our children, our siblings. We should pray for our neighbors, even the neighbors who live around us. Uh, we should pray for our pastors, and pastors should pray for their people. We should pray for our rulers. We should pray for a way to be made open for the gospel. We should pray in times of need. Like Peter prayed when he said, Lord, help us. We should pray before we start something. We should pray at the end of the day. Pastors should stop what they're doing and pray in the middle of the day at noon. That's part of the work that they've pledged to do. In other words, we should pray more. But, I mean, there is something to be said to the fact that there is a distinction between those things that God has promised, which we we pray um, with confidence, so that the Lord has promised you know, for, that he would forgive our sins— by the death of Christ. In fact, he has forgiven our sins. So so we don't need to say, you know, Lord, if it is your will, forgive forgive us your sins, because we know it's his will. Now, certainly there's a lot of things that we pray for that are not necessarily promised from God. You know, whether I, you know, get sick and be healed or get sick and die uh, is not up to me. And so we, we, we pray and we would say, you know, according to your gracious will. So, um, just a few thoughts on prayer. I, I don't know if that's any different than what the Calvinists believe, except for I'm not sure the Calvinists, because of limited atonement, 
could necessarily know that they that God has promised that forgiveness. But anyway, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Yeah, I thought you weren't supposed to. You get minus 500 points for <laughs> combining it. the. All right. Combining the buzzwords there. The most persevering listeners in radio. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the Devotions button. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Making public domain music sound better than it ever did. <laughs> I'm not sure you're actually having that By effect. contrasting it with our voices. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess you are. I take that back. Yeah. All right. See. So uh, I think we covered the uh, matter of prayer. Anything else on that? No. We, uh, did we make the point we should pray more? I'm working on this big thing on Paul and the pastor's work of prayer. And you know how Paul always, without ceasing, we pray for you, always remembering you, always holding you mm-hmm. in our heart, praying that the Lord would make a way, that he would bless you, that he would give you knowledge beyond others. Paul understood that the way, the reason why things happen in this world is because the Lord is answering prayer. In fact, in fact, I think we can say this, that the reason that every time God acts to save and rescue his people, it's it's he's answering a prayer. I mean, when the Exodus happened, the Lord was praying. When he brought him back from captivity, the Lord was praying. And we see... Even Anna and Simeon praying, praying for the redemption of the Lord to come when Jesus is, is born, so that always the Lord is answering our prayers. And uh, this is true also when it comes to the work of evangelism. Uh, we, we try to figure out why people come to the church, and we can't figure it out. I mean, one person comes for this reason, another for this reason. Who knows? There's no rhyme or reason until the only thing that seems to hold true is that every person who comes to the church comes because there was a Christian who was praying for them that they would come. So it's part of our spiritual warfare. Uh, we uh, Luther says at the end of the large catechism, we got to teach the catechism so that the children can learn how to how to believe, love, pray, and fight the devil. And that prayer is how we yield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, against the devil and all the evil foes. That's what Paul says. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times. So, and we got to prayer. We got to pray. Yeah, and and one of the things that uh, uh, drives us to more prayer is suffering, which is one of the reasons we do this podcast to increase prayer. Be so, people are suffering through listening to a podcast, and it drives them to pray. Lord, have mercy. Yeah, that's right. In fact, I think that's true. That so every time we uh, we suffer or or we are anxious or anything, it's the Lord reminding us to pray. So when that kind of hits you, you know that that anxiety the theme music. We remember, oh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through <laughs> through prayer and supplication. Make a request be made known to God. And that's also true when you're listening to Table Talk Radio. Every time you think that, oh, that's the Holy Spirit reminding you to pray. <laughs> All right. So let's dive into some name that church body. I'm I'm chomping at the bit, so I want to give you some first. Yeah, man, I'm ready. Okay. So uh, I'll read a little bit here. Uh, I'm not even going to give you any options. I'm just going just gonna to read some sections. It says this. Um, here we go. It says, We believe in God, the eternal Spirit, who is made known to us in Jesus, our brother, and to whose deeds we testify. God calls the worlds into being, creates humankind in the divine image, and sets before us the ways of life and death. 
God seeks in holy love to save all people from aimlessness and sin. God judges all humanity and all nations by that will of righteousness declared through prophets and apostles. In Jesus Christ, the man of, uh, the man of Nazareth, our crucified and risen Lord, God has come to us and shared our common lot, conquering sin and death and, and reconciling the whole creation to its creator. God bestows upon us the Holy Spirit, creating and renewing the Church of Jesus Christ, binding and covenant faithful people of all ages, tongues, and races. Huh. That covered a lot in like one paragraph there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that like all the beliefs that they have? Uh, no, there's a few more lines. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what's, what's, what clues there were because it seemed pretty normal. Uh, so I was looking for the words that would sort of, you know, be the theological clue words. What are the, what are the shibboleths? What are the words that you're not expecting? And I mean, it says the man Nazareth, but then it called Jesus Lord and Savior and Son of God. And so, so it seems like there was a confession of the div- of the divinity of Christ. There was a there was a, a confession of the fall of humanity that created in God's image. There was a there was the the scope of redemption was not just all mankind but the whole creation which is interesting um hmm hmm i don't uh i i, I don't know you better give me those other lines okay well i i'm uh well, there was a few more lines of that one confession, but i have i have a few things uh, and switch to a different uh, document within this church's confession um, so I'm going to read in a different document a little bit about baptism. Want, does that sound good? Okay. All right. Yeah. It says, what is baptism? Baptism is not merely water, but it is water used according to God's command and connected with God's word. What is this word of God? As recorded in Matthew 28:19, our Lord Christ said, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What gifts or benefits does baptism bestow? It effects forgiveness of sins, delivers from death and the devil, and grants eternal salvation to all who believe, as the word and promise of God declare. Uh, uh, I'll just read one more section. Uh, How can water produce such great effects? It is not the water that produces these effects, but the word of God connected with the water, and our faith, which relies on the word of God connected with the water. For without the word of God, the water is merely water and no baptism. But when connected with the word of God, it is a baptism that is a gracious water of life and a washing of regeneration in the Holy Spirit, as St. Paul wrote in Titus 3, uh, 5 through 8. Hmm. I think you just violated copyright there. (laughs) That sounds strangely familiar, those words, because that's small catechism stuff. Um, So that's Lutheran. I mean, uh, now what you could be really trying to throw me off because... Huh. Because that's just that's just small catechism. I wonder if anybody else is claiming the small catechism other than a Lutheran. I mean, this is beautiful. That's beautiful. Three. I didn't talk about the the benefits of baptism. Did you just skip the section on the benefits, or was that was uh, the benefit of baptism not mentioned in that? Let me look. I did skip some parts. Um, yeah, I, I just jumped over that to get to the... Uh, okay. The Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, okay. So you gave it... So there was a... Okay, so you're reading something online. 
It's not quite our translation of baptism, I mean, of the catechism. It's a couple words off. You've read the small catechism on baptism. You read this long kind of thing, which was sort of like a whole creed rewritten. Do you get me? Are you going to give me one more clue? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Whenever well, you're... I'll wait for that clue. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought you wanted to flounder around a little bit, but you just want me to go right well, for no, it. No, I mean, I'm floundering. I mean, because I, I would just, <laughs> right now, I would guess Lutheran, but I would, I don't think that's going to be, spe- I bet you want a kind of Lutheran. Um, All right. Well, let's see what, if this helps. Um, here's another section on baptism. How does baptism remind you and assure you that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross is for you personally? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and his spirit wash away my soul's impurity, in other words, all my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means that God, by grace, has forgiven my sins because of Christ's blood poured out for me in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with Christ's spirit means that the Holy Spirit has renewed me, has set me apart to be a member of Christ, so that more and more I become dead to sin and increasingly live a holy and blameless life. I do want to jump around a little bit here on this one, too. It says, um, does this outward washing with water itself wash away sins? It says, no, only Jesus Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit cleanses us from all our sins. Why then does the Holy Spirit call baptism a washing of rebirth and a washing away of sins? God has good reason for these words. He wants to teach us that the blood and spirit of Christ washes away our sins just as water washes away dirt from our bodies. Interesting. I should read one more paragraph. How one more paragraph. Interesting. But but more important, he wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that the washing away of our sins spiritually is as real as physical washing with water. <laughs> wow. I mean, if he really wanted to assure us, it seems like he would just make it real in the waters of baptism, but it's just as real. <laughs> As if it was being watched. Anyway. Man, how interesting. Uh, huh. Huh. Boy, I got you on your heels. This emphasis on, so having baptism, but then wanting to make sure that you don't get, it's like it's, it's sacramental, but not too sacramental. Is It seems like a kind of classic pietist move. All the talk of the blood of Jesus is going to point me away from the liberalizing churches. I think the liberal churches generally want to move away from blood and sacrifice language altogether. And there was no attempt at that. In fact, the, the blood was emphasized in these quotes. Um, so I think it's going to be a more con- – uh, it's going to be traditionally a conservative Lutheran church body that's going to have pietistic roots. Um my guess is going to be that this is from uh, is this now is this from an individual congregation or no, from no, no. a church body a church website? body website? Yeah, I'm going to guess that this is going to be one of the uh, one of the pietistic uh, Lutheran churches, like the Church of the Lutheran Brethren or something like that. Mm. Fine. What is the Church of the Lutheran <laughs> Brethren? Sorry, Sorry did nope. I, no good. I forget to swing and a miss. You know, we're just have close. Ten seconds left, so I'm going to let you. Uh, I'm going to give you a second guess on the other side of this break. I'm going to let you oh. think about it. 
Uh, you were second in, opportunity for shame. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you could get it right after this break. So just think about it. Okay. We'll take a break, and uh, when we get back, we'll give you another crack at guessing uh, who believes the things that I read, and uh, see if you get it right. If you want to uh, call in with comments or questions, one eight four four five one faith one eight four four five one faith. Or you can send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. You shouldn't listen to Table Talk Radio. Reverse psychology? Or is it? I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com. What amazes me is that you have people asking you to fill in on their radio programs. And I'm just wondering, have they never... I guess that explains it. Have they never heard Table Talk Radio before? Because I'll give you an example. Pastor Wolf from there, what's the call-in number to Table Talk Radio? 1-800-SOLA. Yeah, see, that's why you wouldn't want Pastor Wolf Mueller <laughs> to how is that? guest host your radio numbers. show. I don't know how you got a broken <laughs> phone number like that. 743-SOLA. One eight seven 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 four three sola. Just try that number, everybody. <laughs> Just keep dialing till you see get if us. Evans, <laughs> Evans' voice comes. I mean, you, this you is, never know. This I is mean, the guy they're asking to sub in on the radio show. All right, whatever. Uh, all right, so we're playing name that church body, and Pastor Wolfmuller whiffed miserably on the on the first guess. And uh, I felt like I was a little misleading, so um, I want to read a little bit more from the website. Want, want to hear one more paragraph and see if it helps out? Yeah, that's what I want to hear. I was just thinking, I, what I want to hear is one more paragraph. Okay, this is one more paragraph on a different page of the website. It says, The division of the church is a result of human sin, and all Christians have a responsibility to work for the day when, as Jesus prayed, they may all be one. Ecumenical relations help us learn from the spiritual traditions of other churches. They help us serve the world more effectively in God's name. They remind us that while we are a proud, uh, that we are proud of the diversity of the Protestant traditions we have that have joined in our United Church, there is an even greater diversity in the body of Christ that can make us whole. What the heck? <laughs> so this is an ecumenical, pietistic, Lutheran church. Is this a World Council of Churches? No, no, no. I mean, the, what's that Lutheran? What's the International Lutherans? The uh, International? No, that's the conservative one. The Lutheran World Federation. Is this a Lutheran World Federation? And... All right. You were looking for the United Church of Christ. Really? Yes. The okay. United Church of Christ has the small catechism? Yeah. And then the second thing I read was the Heidelberg Catechism. So they have both. Here, I'll read you the list of what they call testimonies not test of faith. It is, um, I've got to back up one more page. Uh, so the statement of the wow. UCC and then several articles, the Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, Luther Small Catechism, Heidelberg Catechism, Principles of Christian Church, Kansas City Statement, Evangelical Catechism, the Barman Declaration, Basis of Unity, uh, Presbyterian Catechism. So 
so the whole the whole deal with the United Church of Christ is that we wow. we Christ commands us to be united, and the way that we become united is to pretend like there is not the law of non-contradiction. <laughs> so, so you can have, on the one hand, Luther's small catechism that says, hey, look, this is what baptism does. And then, on the other hand, have the Heidelberg catechism which say, hey, this is what baptism doesn't do, and hold those both as testimonies of your church. But, but I mean, this is, this is fascinating, because you remember, you remember how... Um, how the Missouri Synod got its start. There were those uh, uh, Germans, uh, the, the German Lutherans who didn't want to worship at the Reformed. Yeah, well, I remember those guys, the mean ones. Well, there were the Reformed guys who didn't care. They said, I don't care, let's just worship together. <laughs> right. And uh, they are a large branch that end up making the United Church of Christ along with the uh, you know, Evangelical Church and the Congregational Churches uh, that come from Anglicanism. So it's like this, it's like this big pot of stew that you just keep dumping in church bodies, and what you get is the United Church of Christ in the end. Hmm. That's wild. Uh wow. Well, shows me. Man, I had no idea, but they got all the stuff. They got all the. There you go. All right. So do you have uh, uh, a church body to give me some confessions to try and decipher here? Do I ever? All right. Uh, you got a lot to pick from. Uh, it looks like they got about, I don't know, a, lot, a bunch of articles here. Here, I'll read one uh, on free will, and then I'll let you choose some. The condition of man after the fall of Adam is such uh, that he cannot turn and prepare himself by his own natural strength and good works to faith and calling upon God. Wherefore... We have no power to do good works pleasant and acceptable. Uh, wait a minute. Pleasant and acceptable. Oh, yeah. Pleasant and acceptable to God without the grace of will and working with us when we have, uh, when we have that goodwill. And I think in preventing you should understanding here in the old English way that is going before, not, not the stopping of preventing, but the going before. Okay. Um, so you did cut out a little bit. So so could you summarize uh, what the last part of that said? Yeah, it says, uh, without grace of God, by Christ going before us, we may have a good will working with us. Then we have that good will. So, so you can't do anything good without Jesus. That's the basic idea. Okay, and I would agree with that. Um, we can't do any good without Jesus. You know, one of the things that I was listening for uh, before you cut out, it was really hard to listen to you when you cut out, but... Um, <laughs> uh, one of the things that, that I was uh, listening for is that oftentimes um, churches will either talk about uh, the fall into sin as being a total, like a total depravity or um, a total loss of the will, and then other times churches will confess the fall to be kind of like a dent in the side of your car, completely drivable still, just ruined a little bit. Um, right. And, and, and so it sounds like if I understood the quote correctly through the silence, um, is, is that, <laughs> uh, that, that this church confesses that the fall, uh, completely enable, uh, disables a person to have any free will to make a move towards God or do any good works. So, so far I agree. Yeah. Okay. So here, here, since you want to, the, the one before that was on original sin or birth sin, it says of original or birth sin. Original sin standeth not in the fo in the following of Adam, 
as the Pelagians do vainly talk. But it is the fault and corruption of the nature of every man that naturally is engendered of the offspring of Adam, whereby man is very far gone from original righteousness and is of his own nature inclined to evil, so that the flesh lusteth always contrary to the spirit, and therefore... In every person born into this world, it deserveth God's wrath and damnation. And this infection of nature doth remain, yea, in them that are regenerated, whereby the lust of the flesh, called in Greek, uh, uh, let's see, pornema uh, uh, sakros, which means the, evil I guess, the sinful sexual sin of the flesh, mm-hmm. pornema, Oh, or lust of the flesh, I suppose, which some do expound the wisdom, some sensu- sensuality, some the affection, some the desire of the flesh, is not subject to the law of God. And although there is no condemnation for them that believe and are baptized, yet the apostle doth confess that concupiscence and lust hath of itself the nature of sin. Wow. Uh, okay. So uh, I think, again, this is good. If I am not mistaken, so so that that uh, I mean, it's nice to hear uh, someone confess as this does that our uh, flesh that we are born into is deserving of God's wrath. I mean, so that we inherit, um, uh, we I don't, I don't know how to say this uh, the, from from our from our uh, from our birth, we are from the get go sinners, and so we stand uh, condemned before God. Um. So, was there anything in there I was supposed to disagree with? <laughs> nope. Okay. Good. Nope. All right. I'm going to read the next one. Justification I, of man. I'm always nervous. And then, I'll, and then in, I'll in in, in reading this old English. I you know you basically reading a Pelagian. Oh, I completely agree with that. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's the setup. <laughs> I know. I'm going to read this article on justification, and then I'm going to try to find some articles, or let you poke around for articles where we might have some disagreements. But okay. this says of justification of man. We are accounted righteous before God only for the merit of our Lord and Savior. There's a you there. That that tells me a lot. Jesus Christ by faith and not for our own works or deservings. Wherefore, that we are justified by faith only is a most wholesome doctrine and very full of comfort as more largely is expressed in the homily of justification. Where's the homily of justification, I wonder? Huh. It's got to be around here somewhere. So there you go. What do you think about that? Uh, that was good too. Um, I'm I'm trying to read into this homily on justification that you're that you that made reference to there, uh, which must be a reference to a particular preacher. I'm wondering if this isn't, uh, you know, this could be like something from uh, from the Reformed or Calvin because, uh, insofar as they're talking about one who is justified, it would probably be something that we would agree with. Um, we, of course, want to be asking the question, the extent of the cross and atonement, as I think we covered in the first segment. Um, or this could oh, yeah, be probably. Lutheran. I mean, this could be... Buzzword. S- I'm going to give you 20 points. Yes. It's going to take you to negative 480. <laughs> That's a lot better. Uh, I'm not so, going to use the word uh, limited just in case I need to. I might use it together with atonement. I, I need to do some poking around. Uh, so what, what are my options okay. here? It looks like it looks like you got about. Oh, I'm just counting. It looks like maybe about 39 different articles here. So, uh, on faith in the Holy Trinity, uh, the Word or Son of God, 
which was made man, the going down of Christ to hell, resurrection of Christ, Holy Ghost, sufficiency of the Holy Scriptures for salvation, the names and numbers of the canonical books. Okay, 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 okay. The um, Old Testament. Uh, shoot, we're, 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 you we're got a bunch of sacraments. We're already out of time, but when we come what? back, I do want to hear about the uh, the names and of the canonical books. That's going to be interesting. All right. So I will uh, continue in my endeavor to try to pin down this church body when we get back from this break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We're already going into the last segment of the program. I'm not sure we're going to get a chance to get to my other one. Maybe. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll hammer this one out real quick, and we'll get to the last one. Don't worry. You're listening to Table Talk That's Radio. Good. We'll be right back. Friends don't let friends listen to Table Talk Radio. Uh, you have no friends. We're going to try something totally new this fall, a missionary visit. We're going to go tour around Spain and see the missionaries that are there. Find out more at wolfmuller.co. Click the travel button. All right, we're back. This is Table Talk Radio, last segment of the program, and I'm finally on the hunt. But I need to hear about the uh, canonical scriptures. So take this it away. This is going to help you. Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First Book of Samuel, Second Book of Samuel, First Book of Kings, Second Book of Kings, First Book of uh, Chronicles, Second Book of Chronicles, the First Book of Esdras, the Second Book of Esdras, the Book of Esther, the Book of Job, the Psalms, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, or Preacher, Cantica, or Song of Solomon. Four prophets, the greater, twelve prophets, the less. And the other books, as Hiram saith, the church doth read for example of life and instruction of manners, but yet it doth not apply to them to establish any doctrine. Such are these following, third book of Esdras, fourth book of Esdras, book of Tobias, book of Judith, the rest of the book of Esther, the book of Wisdom, Jesus the son of Sirach, Baruch, Baruch the prophet, the song of the three children, story of Susanna, of Bel and the dragon, the prayer of Manasseh. commonly received we do receive and account them canonical okay that's really helpful because now i know we're not listening to a lutheran confession how do you know that <laughs> well it's interesting that the book of concord never actually lays out which books are books of the bible and even today in the uh right for ordination it asks that or even in our right for confirmation it asks that you believe of the uh the the books of the old and new testament or the prophets and the apostles but it never actually uh lays them out and i mean technically speaking you could have a confessional lutheran pastor who rejects one of the anti-legumina uh oh i said it the anti-legumina books so like the anti-legumina uh, uh as opposed to the homologomena? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it just dawned on me I said it. Now you're going to be saying it the rest of the show. What? Uh, so Saying what? Nothing. Don't worry about it. Um, so, I mean, word, technically speaking, there's nothing in, in our confessions. mute button is really handy. There's nothing in our confessions that would actually uh, prohibit a person from being ordained 
uh, because they would reject one of those. Oh, my God, my God. Um, so it, it was a, a reformed, reformed move later that actually set out to name the books the Bible is my only point. Okay, so uh, do I have any more options? Do I have any more uh, things here? You got tons. What am I, I want to read the one about the Lord's Supper. Please do. I was actually okay. going to have you go to the sacraments. So go, go to the. Okay, that's where you. That's where the. How do you get to there? Okay, here it is, Article Twenty Eight. The Supper of the Lord is not only a sign of the love that Christians ought to have amongst themselves to one to another. But rather, it is a sacrament of our redemption by Christ's death, insomuch that to such as rightly, worthily, and with faith receive the same, the bread which we break is a partaking of the body of Christ, and likewise the cup of blessing is a partaking of the blood of Christ. Hmm. That's really interesting. Transubstantiation, or the change of the substance of bread and wine, in the supper of the Lord cannot be proved by holy writ, but is repugnant to the plain words of Scripture, overthroweth the nature of a sacrament, and hath given occasion to many superstitions. The body of Christ is given, taken, and eaten in the supper only after an heavenly and spiritual manner. And the mean whereby the body of Christ is received and eaten in the supper is faith. The sacrament ah. of the Lord's Supper was not by Christ's ordinance reserved, carried about, lifted up, or worshipped. Aha! All right, well, so they're clearly anti-Rome, so that's that's uh, well established. Uh, but the one, the big key here is 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 well, two things uh, talks about uh, the sign of the sacrament. Um, so that's usually an indicator that a sign is not an actual thing. So uh, a sign points to a thing, but it's not the thing itself. So where we talk about the bread and wine is the body and blood of Christ. It's not a sign of the body and blood of Christ. It is the body and blood of Christ. Um, also, uh, the emphasis that faith is somehow um, uh, bringing about these realities, so that it's it's a, a, a communion, almost a spiritual communion that takes place here. So, I think um, what your uh, the the church body for which you read such confessions would be the Church of England. You are right. The thirty-nine ammo. You got it. 39 articles. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you like my hint? Yeah. That what was it. Giveaway. Looks like there's about 39 articles. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. All right. So we only have five minutes left. So I want to get after this last one. Yeah, uh, let's do it. You have... Um, you do not have 39. You have 16 fundamental truths to uh, tackle here. I'll just read them real oh, quick. Okay. The scriptures right. inspired the one true God, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the fall of man, the salvation of man, the ordinances of the church, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, sanctification, the church and its mission, the ministry, divine healing, the blessed hope, the millennial reign of Christ, the final judgment, and number 16, the new heavens and the new earth. Let's hear the physical manifestations of the baptism of the Spirit. The baptism of believers in the Holy Spirit is witnessed by the initial physical sign of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance, Acts 2, 4. The speaking in tongues in this utterance is the same in essence as the gift of tongues that is different in purpose and use, 1 Corinthians 12. That's it. Really? Huh. I didn't know that. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> so this is obviously some sort of charismatic 
thing, but the thing that I didn't know about was that they had different ideas about the initial speaking in tongues versus the gift of tongues. So the so that they're, what they're saying is that when you when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues, even if later you don't receive the gift of tongues as a permanent sort of gift. You might receive another sign gift or something like that. Right. So the Acts two four reference is, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave wow, them utterance. That's interesting. And the all they argue there is all Christians, whereas I think the context would lend to think that it's the apostles. Um, that, Interesting. Yeah. That is fantastically interesting. Okay, let's hear about the Millennial Kingdom. Let's see. All right, the Millennial Reign of Christ. The second coming of Christ includes the rapture of the saints, which is our blessed hope, followed by the visible return of Christ with his saints to reign on earth for 1,000 years. And there's a whole bunch of passages quoted this millennial reign will bring the salvation of na- of na- uh, sorry of national Israel and the establishment of universal peace. Typical dispensationalism. So it's got to be a new Pentecostal church body. How am I supposed to tell the difference? What was their healing? Let's see. There was. Uh, oh yeah, divine healing. Want that one? Yeah, yeah. How about that one? Divine healing is an integral part of the gospel. Deliverance from sickness is provided for in the atonement and is the privilege of all believers. Interesting. Isaiah huh. 53, Matthew 8, James 5, 14. Well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give myself 250 points for picking the thing that had your buzzword in it. What? Atonement. That was, well, Okay. The That's buzzword you gave me. That I did that. Good job on picking your own buzzword word. You're welcome. Wait. Uh, thank now you. this is interesting. So, uh, <laughs> so th- this is the proof text for divine healing. Uh, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, submitted of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so Matthew quotes that in con, in conjunction with the healing ministry of Jesus, and they what they've done is they've connected the two things: the atonement and then and then physical healing. That's there. Do I have time for one more? Sure. Uh, well, I, so I don't. I'm just trying to figure out. There's got to be something to indicate, you know, what kind of uniqueness to, this church body has. What was the very last one? The new heavens and the new earth. No, that won't help. Work backwards from the back, from the end. Uh, okay, final judgment, millennium of Christ, the blessed hope, divine healing ministry, the church and its mission, sanctification. Do, do blessed hope. Do blessed hope. Okay. The resurrection of those who have fallen asleep in Christ and their trans, uh, their translation together with those who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord is the imminent and blessed hope of the church. Yeah. Okay, that's typical. I think this sounds like a typical Pentecostal church. Uh, so I want to, I mean, with the emphasis on healing, I want to say it's one of the four square churches or something like this, but I don't, they, it seems like that those would have the, uh, they would have more of their distinction in there. I I wonder if this could be like the, the, what we believe, um, page from like TBN, the Trinity broadcasting network or something (laughs) like that. That would have been pretty good. Um, but I I think what, so, so what is the United Pentecostal church? That's going to be my guess. Sorry. Uh, you are on the right uh, line of thinking, though. I was reading from the Assemblies of God. 
So yeah. you're right. Okay. The Pentecostal churches, I don't know the distinctives between them all, but um, they are. I mean, this is this is the material principle for the Pentecostals from the Azusa Street Revival, and that is that you have a uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is something distinct from the uh, you know water baptism, the ordinance of baptism, they would say, uh, but that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience, and it is always marked by the ability to speak in tongues. So it, that's like that's like a justification for a Lutheran. I mean, you you got to have that if you're a Pentecostal. So that's uh, that's going to be it for us. And uh, thanks for Man, tuning in to this any... edition of Table Talk Radio, where the points uh, are like where the points are like You're running out of time. Oh. Uh, Something funny. Where the points of our, like how much we've promoted this conference that you and I are both going to be speaking at. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition On of April Table 11th Talk Radio. here at Hope Lutheran Table Church. Talk Radio is All of our listeners everyone. should come Please to Please consult that, your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. We should, Side effects may include not advertise that more. Yeah, there's going to be some good speakers. The Flammy. The Flammy's coming. coming. Ken Peck's coming. You're there. I'm there. Melee's is going to preach it up a storm. Combustion. A sudden craving to smell your backseat. Claustrophobia. Yeah, it's going to be great. To fight the capitalists on Twitter and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.